Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. I can't hear you. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Please stand with us. Let's sing together.
that like you mean it this morning. 
If you mean it, would you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pass the ammunition. <laughs> Where did that one come from? As you're seated, leave seats on the aisle, please, as you're seated, because we have people waiting who are standing up, and they will come and take those seats pretty quickly. And I've, first of all, housekeeping matter uh, here, is everybody warm enough? Okay, everybody's warm enough. Want to make sure of that. All right, very good. Want to welcome everybody. If you're w watching by way of Facebook or YouTube, thank you so much for uh, tuning into the live streaming service. And we hope that very soon you'll come to visit us at 445C Avenue in Coronado, beautiful Coronado, California, where it's at least eight degrees cooler than it is at my house because I <laughs> checked the thermometer when I left. And so this is nothing. This is not bad. If you're having trouble with the heat, uh, I want you to talk to Mr. and Mrs. Al Goff right back here by the sound booth. They're here from Maricopa, no, from Yuma, from Yuma, where it's like 138 degrees this morning. And, uh, but it's a dry heat. So, so, so you, you, you don't die all sweaty. You just die dry and dry up. So... Good to have you all here. If you're a first-time guest inside the building, so th thank you so much for coming. If you haven't done so already, take one of these connection cards, fill it out, give us your information in appreciation for that and your visit. We'll send you a Starbucks gift card, and you can go ahead and have some real hot coffee because that makes no sense at all right now. All right, so go ahead and fill that out. And once you get done with it, you can turn it in to me or Julie or my wife or, and you, or you can put it in the tithe box back by the double doors for our members put their tithes and offerings to God. So go ahead and take care of that. Let me give you a couple of announcements today. We'll be preaching on lunch or legalism. Huh? Lunch or legalism, going to find out what that's all about. And then military, we'll have lunch. All those active military will meet on the patio, and they will, be, they will be served a free lunch. This Saturday is our men's breakfast, John, so we're all set for that. Uh, I don't know what we're going to have, but we've been having amazing breakfasts. I'm telling you, it's an unbelievable breakfast. So, uh, guys, bring a guy with you and come be here at 7 to help out, 8 o'clock for the actual breakfast to begin, and we hope that uh, you'll be able to make it. Then Sunday, the man with the withered hand, and then after that or at the end of the service, we'll be having uh, Holy Communion. It's a special time here at First Baptist Church as we draw closer to the Lord and closer to each other. Urgent message again, once again, please consider helping in the children's departments. We have two classes that meet over here in addition to our nursery. We're able to staff the nursery by hiring uh, nursery workers, but we need some folks that we can depend on who will uh, maybe once a month or twice a month, hopefully no more than that, uh, be able to take care of the kids in the departments. Uh, either teaching or just helping. And guys, gentlemen, we need men too because the guys, the little guys in these classes love to have dads to look up to and, and men to look up to. So uh, critical need right now because if we don't find some help pretty soon, we're going to have to be having the kids in here more, uh, and, which is okay with me, but it's not ideal for them necessarily. So teens, by the way, teens can help also. You can't be the main person, but you can help. Where is Carlo? Come down here, buddy. Right down here. All right. This is Carlo. He's been super involved with our military ministry and, and a great guy. I just love him in the Lord. And he's getting ready to go to Akuska, Japan. Uh, all expenses paid by Uncle Sam. Uh, but then he has some plans afterwards. And we're going to, 
you're going to tell the people what you're going to do after your uh, duty is, is fulfilled with the United States Navy. Yes, uh, after, uh, I was thinking after I, get, I retired, uh, the Lord speak to my heart to be a missionary in Japan. So Amen. Uh, my, my wife is Japanese, and uh, it is heavy in my heart to uh, stay there and continue the mission. Amen. 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 So is that cool or what? So here's what we're going to do. This is his last Sunday here. He'll be shipping out this week, so uh, tomorrow. So we're going to, and he's, in, he's faithful in God's house today. I appreciate that. A lot of things I appreciate about Carla. Let's, uh, let's, I'm going to ask some of you guys to come up here and stand around him. So let's stand again and make it easier for people to get around. Uh, and Bobby, would you mind praying and asking God to be with Carlo and to take care of him, and not only in his deployment, but then also in his, uh, in his mission, term as missionary as, as God so leads him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning with uh, just a humbled heart and just to say thank you for who you are and how great you are to us. We thank you for this brother, Carlos, you sent here for the months that he's been here. Yeah. We thank you for his heart just to lend a hand, to help out, to serve any way he could. Father, we pray that you know his heart, and thank you for just his decision to stay in Japan and be a, be a minister to, for you in that place. Father, we pray that your spirit would go before him, to guide him, protect his family and himself, give him wisdom and direction. And Father, we pray you just uh, guard his steps as he travels to Japan and then just his steps while he's there. We pray that you just uh, just... Give him a humble heart just to minister to people who he comes in contact with. Father, we know, you're great, we know that you're gracious. We know you're kind. We know that you're loving. We pray you just wrap your arms around Carlson and his family and lead them in the path you would have them to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you, Carlo. God bless you, my friend. Love you. Love you, buddy. All right, let's remain standing as we continue to worship the Lord. You've already sat down. If you want to remain down for 10 seconds, that's okay. <laughs>
Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay Last thing I need is to be heard But to hear what you would say Word of God speak Would you pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see Your majesty To be still and know You're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness Word of God Finding myself in the midst of you Beyond the music, beyond the noise All that I need is to be with you And in the quiet, hear your voice Word of God speak Would you pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see Your majesty To be still and know You're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness Word of God speak would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay Amen, amen Our Heavenly Father, we pray that your word would fall down like rain on us That it would wash our eyes and cause us to see things that it would cause our ears to hear things that we need to hear, that we would apply things to our heart that need to be applied. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be alive and active and working in this place to search each heart, to help us to know, Father, you've forgiven us by grace through faith of heinous sins, crimes, shortcomings, faults, and failures. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us hearts to forgive others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, and be seated. It's so good to see everybody here this morning. Boys and girls, come on down to the front for just a minute. Everybody else, take your Bible, open it up to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, the gospel according to Mark, chapter 2, will be our message for today, the Lord willing. Mark, chapter 2, as we study the life of Christ in a chronological study. But right now, to all the boys and girls, how many of you remember... How many of you remember what we taught last Sunday in this? Did anybody remember what the lesson that we had last Sunday? Do you remember? Did anybody remember? I'll give you a hint. You need something? You okay? All right. Uh, calm down. <laughs> okay. Um, so we talked about three being one. Remember that? We talked about God being the Father, what? The Son. And the Holy Spirit, you got it, Ellie. And those three are one. I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to mess up their math so bad. Three is one, one is three, and then 10 equals two. How many believe 10 equals two? Not me. <laughs> huh? It's 11. It's 11. Okay, well, that's close, but here's the thing. How many have heard of the Ten Commandments? How many have heard of the Ten Commandments? Anybody heard of the Ten Commandments? How many, of the, how many commandments are there in the Ten Commandments? Eight? Nine? Nine? No, ten. ten. There are Ten Commandments, and yet one day, one day someone asked Jesus, what is the best commandment, the greatest commandment, the most important commandment of them all? And Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We're to love God supremely. And then without being asked, Jesus said, and the second commandment is like this in that you're to love others as you love yourself. And boys and girls, those first 10 commandments that God gives to us are summed up in the two commandments of loving God with everything we have and loving other people the way we love ourselves so that we respect them and treat them right because we want people to treat us right. So 10 equals 2 in that those 10 commandments can be practiced with two commandments that Jesus said were the most important. So let's go ahead and bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we pray you'd bless these girls and boys as they go into their classes. We pray you'd bless the teachers and workers and thank you for their willingness and uh, to give of their time and talents and energies and pouring into these young lives the words of God. Father, we pray that you would call, just as you've called Carlo to, uh, to go to be a missionary, that you would call some of these boys and girls to be pastors or youth pastors or music pastors or maybe missionaries to go to, to some people that need to hear the gospel who otherwise wouldn't hear it uh, except for their obedience. So, Father, bless them, we pray. Bless us today. We pray in Jesus' name, and all the kids said, amen. All right, go ahead and go to your classes, boys and girls. Uh, Mark chapter 2, we're in Galilee. We're close to the city of Capernaum on the way home from Jerusalem. Last week, he was in, Jesus was in Jerusalem uh, with, his, with his disciples, the, so far the ones that were called, still in 31 A.D., uh, approximately, and a casual glance at the lesson today might appear to be much to do about nothing. No big deal. Why in the world would it even be in the Word of God? Have you ever read some things in the Word of God and you thought, why is that there? What does that have to do with anything, you know? And, and so this is maybe one of those things, but, it's, uh, but this, 
this little teaching time goes right to the heart of a huge problem that Jesus faced everywhere he went in his public ministry, uh, not only with many Pharisees and Sadducees who were religious leaders of Jesus' day, but also with many Catholics and Protestants and Baptists today, Presbyterians, Methodists, you name it. Uh, a lot of us have the same problems that the Pharisees and Sadducees had almost 2,000 years ago. Uh, God didn't include anything in the Bible on a whim. Nothing in this Bible is just there kind of like, oh, accidentally, or, you know, Jesus, God forgot and just let that be, stay in there, and he didn't mean for it to be. There's nothing like that. That's why a proper understanding of the doctrine of inspiration of scriptures includes at least two words, uh, plenary and verbally. Plenary means complete, and verbally means word for word. What I hold in my hand doesn't contain the word of God. It is the word of God completely and uh, inspired, given, given by Almighty God verbally, word for word, complete. Uh, old, old men, not old men, men of old wrote as they were moved, they might have been old men, uh, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So uh, God caused them to write exactly what they wrote. Now, some of you may have a red letter edition of the Bible. I don't have a problem with that. I use in my Bible programs, a lot of times I'll use the red-letter edition so it helps right away immediately know that Jesus is speaking. But I may have some shocking news for some of you. The words of Christ are no more inspired than the words of Jeremiah, no more inspired than the words of Moses, no more inspired than the Psalms of David. They're equally inspired, uh, and, and a proper understanding of that truth would prevent the theological drift of so many churches today in our Western culture. The culture, our culture, should not be determined, or should not determine our worldview, rather, but the Word of God ought to determine our worldview. So we, we should not look at, at our culture through the lens of, you know, this is what is popular today. This is what passes for the majority rule today. This is what's important today. It, we ought to look through the lens of the Holy Scriptures. What does the Bible have to say about whatever it is? And that ought to take precedence. So the culture should not determine our worldview. Scriptures should. We live in a time when culture is determining our worldview for the most part of, of most Americans, and it ought not be that way. So uh, get ready because the Lord's coming back. So Al said this morning, if, if, if California keeps going the way it's going, he's going to come back in a hurry. So that, that's all right with me. So we see, first of all, in this little, this, in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, the, the first point is the snacking. It came to pass that as he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. Again, they're, they're on their way near, near Capernaum, on their way back from Jerusalem, uh, and they talk about being close to a body of water, the Lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, or the Sea of Tiberias, not three different lakes or bodies of water, one and the same with three different names that were common in his day. The grain being plucked, uh, I know it says corn in a lot of English uh, translations, but the Greek word for grain means a grain. It doesn't specify the grain. It probably was wheat or barley. Given the time of year, it was probably barley because wheat was harvested earlier in the season generally. 
So the disciples were walking alongside the fields of grain, plucking handfuls of grain as they, as they walked. They would rub the grain in their hands, and the husks would be separated from the grain. They would eat the grain. Everybody got that picture? All right. One time I was training for a half marathon. I know that's hard to believe. <clears throat> I said one time. I was not dumb enough to do it a second time, but I, <clears throat> I was training for a half marathon. And we lived over <clears throat> um, close to, well, in the South Bay, and I would run down to Monument Road. Remember where, anybody know where Monument Road is? And then I would come back up. I can't remember if it was Sunset or what it was. I don't remember right now. And, then I, and I made a loop there, and I was uh, practicing running uh, 13 point whatever it is, miles, uh, and I was running around strawberry fields. So about the first several trips I made around the strawberry field, I kept looking at them, and they kept looking at me. I got a little delirious, and they were saying, eat me, eat me, eat me. So I stopped and plucked a strawberry and ate it, and it was really good. It was juicy and delicious, and I plucked another strawberry, and it was really good, and I plucked another strawberry. And every time I'd come around this field, I'd pluck some strawberries and eat them, and that was not a real good thing to do when you're running 13 miles. I, I, needless to say, I, I left all the strawberries in the field. <clears throat> but the disciples weren't running a half marathon. They were, they were walking through the fields. They were hungry, and they grabbed some grain and, and roast, rubbed it in their hands and then ate the grain through the husks away. Now, then, then there's the objection in Mark chapter 2, verse 24. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they uh, do what they're doing on the Sabbath? The reference was to the disciples' behavior not to Jesus' behavior necessarily. We don't know if he did it as well. Um, but why are they breaking the harvest, or breaking the Sabbath rather, by harvesting grain? Uh, and the objection was, you're allowing your disciples to do this on the Sabbath day. Now we've talked about this before. We'll talk about it again because it became a really prevalent theme in the Jesus' ministry and his confrontation with the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes, <clears throat> this, this idea of the Sabbath day. It was to be a day of rest. Mistakenly, now it's, it's called a holy day only because it's sanctified and set apart by God. It is not a holy day in the sense of they were to worship on the Sabbath and not worship through the rest of the week. The Jews, were, Jews like us today are supposed to worship every single day. We ought to have a time when we worship God when we praise Him for who He is, when we thank Him for what He's given to us and done for us, when we ask Him for things that we need. Every single day ought to be a day of worship for the child of God. But we have the first day of the week when we come together uh, based on and because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ on the first day of the week. Uh, Christians began to meet then on that first day. The seventh day or the Sabbath day was to be a day of rest. God illustrated that in that after the six days of creation, God rested on the seventh. God was not tired. He was not weary. God doesn't get tired, weary, old, decrepit. He doesn't have the problems that we have in our physical bodies at all. Uh, but he was showing us by example that six days we should work on the seventh day, we should rest and, and recoup. And, and I think I've told you this before, but uh, working at a steel uh, processing plant, couple of summers, two or three summers back when I was in high school and a little bit after that, 
uh, we would work six days a week, nine hours a day, and that was a full week. And then someone with a white helmet decided it would be better to work seven days a week, nine hours a day. And so we began working seven days a week, nine hours a day. Uh, and you know what happened to product- productivity? It went down. It went way down. Uh, when the white helmets would all exit the building, in fact, they wouldn't even come in on the seventh day, on, on the Sunday usually. But when they, if they did, when they left, everybody would break out their lunch boxes and sit around and and snack and goof around. <clears throat> you just can't work nonstop. Now, some of you are young and you think you can. I promise you, there will come a time when you cannot. And it's important to rest. It's important to take time to rest. So the Sabbath day was created so that people would be reminded, you work six days, you rest one day. That's the way God created us to be. So the commandment to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy or sanctified was included in the Ten Commandments. I told the kids about just a minute ago. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There's an amplification of that that I want to share with you uh, when it says this, six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And yet here Jesus' disciples were harvesting grain. Or were they? Harvesting grain, cutting the grain, threshing it, getting the grain from the husks would have violated the fourth commandment. However, what the Pharisees and Sadducees either did not know about or refused to bring up at this point in time was a scripture in Deuteronomy 23, 25 that says, and when you enter your neighbor's field of grain, You may pluck the heads of grain with your hand, but you must not harvest it with a sickle. Oh, oh, well, that's different. The Pharisees and Sadducees didn't didn't say anything about having a sickle. Uh, The disciples were plucking them with their hands. And so, in fact, when they did harvest, the other six days, when they did harvest uh, grain, They were told to leave some for the poor and for the travelers, the handfuls of purpose. Some of people have called it. There's a devotional book called Handfuls of Purpose. And they they were told to drop handfuls of it. Ruth, when she was gleaning the fields, uh, had grain dropped there because Boaz says, I like her. She's cute. She is a sweetie pie. You guys, when you're harvesting, you drop plenty of grain for her to pick up. I wanted to make sure she gets plenty. And, and so that was one of the things they did. But in Leviticus 23, 22, it says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field. Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Isn't that interesting? It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines, and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Why? Leave them for the poor and for foreigners or travelers living among you. I am the Lord your God. God had his own welfare provision for people who were traveling from one place into another and for people who were poor and had fallen on hard times. And he says, when you're harvesting, whether it's grapes or grain, doesn't matter, leave some. Don't strip every part of it. Don't take every bit of it, but leave some. And here we have Jesus' disciples traveling 
That's exactly what the, they were sojourners. And so this infraction of their harvesting grain on the Sabbath was perceived not actual. So what about working on the Sabbath? Some of you are in the military. Some of you have to work on Sunday. Some of you have watch or you have actual duty or whatever else uh, because you are in the military. Some, I, I work with law enforcement, and there are and their, their, their shift here is, is good in one respect and bad in one respect. Their shifts are from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., depending on if you're on days or nights. Just change to nights for several of the, the staff. <clears throat> but on Sundays, they, they have to be in the briefing room at 6 a.m., and they have to be doing their duties until 6 p.m. So unless they can find a church close by that has an evening service they can get to, uh, they're kind of, uh, you know, they don't have an, an option for Sunday morning for the most part. We have had a couple of police come in and sit in the very back, which I think is super cool because they got their guns and badges. If any crazy person is going to try anything, I hope it's when they're sitting back there with their guns and badges. So, <clears throat> but law enforcement has to, retail sales, sometimes you have to work on, uh, on Sunday. And by the way, we're not talking about the Sabbath, really. Uh, there's a differentiation. Some people say, well, the, the Sabbath is Sunday. The Sabbath is the first day of the week. No, Sabbath was the, sixth, the seventh day of the week, rather, after the six days of labor. Then came the Sabbath. We call it Saturday. Uh, you can work on the Sabbath. It's not against the, the law of God for you to work on the Sabbath. You can work on Sunday. It's not against the law for you to work on Sunday. So this Sabbath restriction doesn't apply to us today. Uh, am I working by preaching the gospel on Sunday, I, I, I enjoy doing it, so it's kind of like fun for me. Uh, but let me give you, a, I'm going to quote a kind of a lengthy little thing here. Uh, so I just think it's important to get this. Jesus cut through the complexities of the pharisaical debates of his time. He kept the Sabbath law, but not the halakhic interpretations. Halakhic interpretations, I hadn't heard that term before, but it's Jewish tradition. So in other words, you have the, the Torah, you have the law, the five books of the Bible, and you had the halakhic interpretations of the law, which were uh, passed down uh, from, from Pharisee to Pharisee or Sadducee to Sadducee or whatever, uh, but it was oral tradition. Now, folks, oral tradition, if you put oral tradition up here and the Word of God here, oral tradition is not the same, has nothing to do. This is not oral tradition. This is thus saith the Lord. This is the word of Almighty God, infallible, inspired, plenary, verbally inspired. And oral tradition is just that. It's, it's tradition that's been handed down. We have our traditions, do we not? Uh, we, we have the Lord's Supper on the first Sunday of each month. Some churches have it every Sunday. Some churches have it once a quarter, uh, which is right. All of them can be right because the Bible doesn't say when. It says as oft as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. So our oral tradition, we cannot say the Bible says we're supposed to do it on the first Sunday of every month. We can't say that. We can say it, but it doesn't make it so. So this halakhic interpretation of the Sabbath was what Jesus 
did not. He, he declined to keep. He reminded men and women that the purpose of the Sabbath institution was for their benefit. In accordance with this, he did not hesitate to heal and to carry out ministry on the Sabbath. We read, we've already read some of the healings that took place on the Sabbath. We're going to have one next week about the man with the withered hand. Uh, at the same time, Jesus' messianic claim in relation to the Sabbath pointed out to a transcendence of the whole institution, just as Jesus' ministry as a whole anticipates the change to a new order, which is brought about by his death and his resurrection. I, I'm not going to go ahead and read the whole thing, but suffice it to say that what, what the difference is here is the Pharisees and the Sadducees were saying, you're not keeping our oral tradition. You are breaking the law of God by not keeping our oral tradition. By the way, I challenge you, look up the Ten Commandments recorded in Exodus chapter 20. Look up the New Testament repeating of the commandments, and you'll find that one of them is not repeated in the New Testament, and that is to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, the principle still applies, but the actual commandment, in fact, in Colossians, it talks about people who were making a big deal about certain Sabbath days and holy days and that they were, they were wrong and, and basically we are to worship every single day. So there's still a need to rest. That principle applies. You cannot go 12 hours a day, seven days a week indefinitely. You will break down at some point. So here's Jesus' reply in verse 25. Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read the Scriptures? What David did when he and his companions were hungry, he answered their objections with Scripture. He went to the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. So what about David? This story that Jesus is telling them is, is referencing what happened in 1 Samuel 21 uh, when David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech, who was the father of Abiathar, hence the, the two references there, trembled. He was no doubt aware of the conflict that had arisen between David and Saul. Saul was trying to kill David, trying to take his life. Uh, so uh, so he, he, he was trembling, and when he saw him, he said, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? And David said, the king has sent me on a private matter. The king has charged me with the matter is the way it reads in one translation. And uh, technically that was true, but it was very deceptive uh, because basically Saul was looking to kill him is what he was looking to do. So David said, he told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I've told my men where to meet me later. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. We don't have any regular bread, the priest replied, but there is holy bread, which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to be with women when we're on a campaign. And since they stay clean, even on ordinary trips, how much more on this one? Since there was no other food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced the day before with fresh bread. Now, uh, th that's the scene. That's exactly what happened. Now, there was, a, there was a, a, an affiliate of, of King Saul, uh, one of the soldiers of King Saul, Doeg the Edomite, and he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him bread and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. So Doeg saw that, that, that the priest gave him not only this holy bread, but gave him Goliath's sword that David had taken from Goliath after he slew him. And so Doeg, the Edomite, went to Saul and told him all of that, which resulted in the priest's death. So 
So David said, don't you know that David, when he was hungry, ate the holy bread, which was basically for the priests of God. So the point is that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. God is the God of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not made for, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, for our benefit. So he can, Jesus can overrule in circumstances if it's his desire. The, the oral tradition is not equal to thus saith the Lord. So it remains his disciples were not breaking the law concerning the Sabbath. And here's what happened. Here's an application, okay? Back in the 60s, I went to Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri in 1966. I had been uh, to uh, a liberal arts college for a couple of years, and God called me to, to, to surrender to ministry. So I, I transferred down to a Bible college. I had never been to Baptist Bible College in my life. I only had met a missionary who had been there. And so this was 1966, getting ready to get into the Vietnam era when a lot of things happened. And I got there. I rode down there with two girls in my car, two young ladies from our youth department who surrendered also to go to Bible College. So the three of us were, I mean, we were buddies. We were this little church of about 35 people there were five teenagers, four of us wound up in full-time ministry. So three of us went down there together at the same time. So we, we drove down from Chicago area down to Springfield, Missouri, got there, found out, oh, guys and girls cannot hang around with each other. That, that was an alien concept to me. I, I preferred hanging out with well, yeah, and so, so, so we're in line, you know, getting ready to register for classes, and they give us this rule book, and I mean, it's a rule book about how you can, you know, you can date on Sunday afternoons and Friday nights, as long as you're in by a certain time, you can date but if you're with a female any other time of the week, you are subject to discipline by the discipline committee. So I found the two girls I'd ridden down there with. I said, meet me in my car. And we got in our car and drove over to an ice cream place and discussed all of this. What have we got ourselves into? The cafeteria. I went to the cafeteria, and the cafeteria was like this. The girls were on this side. The guys were on this side. And there was a great gulf fixed between, so that they who would go here. So the most popular tables in the whole cafeteria were the ones right along this row right here, because you could actually talk to girls, uh, and girls could talk to guys. Uh, and so all of this was very, very strange. And that, that was just part of, I mean, there were all kinds, I, I can't even begin. I've, thankfully and mercifully, I've forgotten most of the rules. Uh, <laughs> I didn't keep them all anyhow, so it doesn't really matter. But, but what happened was in the 60s, the, the hippie movement started, right? And, and, the, and the, before the Jesus people, it, there was already this, this movement toward rebellion and, and anti-establishmentism, if that's a word, and drugs and free love and sex and all of that was just, it was just everywhere. It was in the songs, it was in the music, it was on the television, it was in the movie theaters, it was everywhere. 
Uh, and so this, this, this culture uh, exploded uh, in the 60s. And, and then Vietnam came along, and that made it even worse because guys would get over there and get involved in stuff and get involved in drugs or pornography or other things and would come back affected. And uh, so it was just a mess. So what happened was the, 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 a lot of the churches pulled back on the reins. I mean, really pulled back. Pulled back not only to stay in line with this, the Word of God, but stay in line with the oral tradition. Now, you see where I'm going with this? And eventually, with this culturally seismic event was taking place, it resulted in legalism creeping into conservative Christianity. So I, did, I was not brought up in legalism. I was not brought up in a, I was saved in a First Baptist Church, Chicago Heights, Illinois, but we moved and I was in a church that was very liberal, still is today, that denomination is very liberal today. And we were kids, we were just, you know, high schoolers, we did what high schoolers did, we just, um, and, and so it was such a culture shock to me to get there, and, and, and they were pulling back on all this stuff and saying, uh, for example, and there were three major things, long hair on guys. I won't stay on this very long, but <laughs> that was a big deal. That was a big deal. I mean, I heard more sermons on long hair on guys uh, you know, these long-haired hippie freaks and, you know, this and that, something else. Well, I spent four years in that environment, and I got, I, I, my hair was really short. And I was candidating for my church, first church, and I, I had my brown polyester three-piece suit. No lie. And here, this guy that picked me up at the airport was the head trustee, and he had red hair down to his shoulders and a Fu Manchu mustache covered all the way down to his chin and had whatever he had for breakfast in it. <laughs> Tank tops and shorts and flip-flops. And I'm thinking, God's going to kill everybody in this building. I hope he waits till I'm out of here. So, hippie freaks, what's going on here? Ladies got up, bare midriffs were singing gospel songs. I thought, so, so, the, so the long hair, short skirts on, remember, remember, mini skirts, yeah, came out. Uh, yeah, you guys all remember them, yeah. I, I saw some of you guys going, yeah, remember that, yeah, remember that, yeah, mini skirts. I mean, people, they, they got to where they'd measure uh, from the floor up or whatever, or, or you guys had to kneel down or something, and it had, dress had to touch the the floor, I don't know. And it couldn't wear, couldn't wear slacks, right? No, it couldn't wear slacks because that was galactic. That was, that was verbal tradition. That was oral tradition. It wasn't, wasn't in the Word of God. Well, it says your men are not supposed to wear women's clothes. Women are not supposed to wear men's clothing. You know what? Uh, she's got some slacks, and I wouldn't put them on for $100. I'll tell you right now. Well, maybe 100 bucks, but... but uh, And rock and roll, holy cow, the devil's music, rock and roll. We need to do what, we need to play what the Apostle Paul played, the old rugged cross and 
Nearer my God to thee. And we get we sing some of these new songs. They're just they're just rock and roll. You know, they're just, they're just no good. And you know what happened? I, I, now this this church that I was candidating for, there it was not legalistic at all. In fact, it was the other way. We got there December the 4th, and they had a Christmas party that we were invited to, and we we had, and it's like 25 people, almost the whole church turned out. Well, then I found out years later they had another Christmas party that I wasn't invited to. Yeah. I also found out the second year they did that, they sat around, looked at each other, and said, what are we doing? God got a hold of it. But here's what happened. God brought me up, not in this legalism, but then living in it for four years so that I understood what the whys and wherefores and what's about it, but then putting me back in an environment where God did not intend for me to run those people off, those, all those 25 people to run them off, but rather to learn to love them and minister to them and that's exactly, I mean, we had, got, we had this hippie bus. It was a hippie bus. It was like 15 different colors. Whatever, whatever half cans of paint they had, they painted it, uh, 15 different colors. And the guy would come in with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, kids in the bus. I walked in. The first Sunday, I think it was the first Sunday I was there as their pastor, I walked into the kitchen, and there was a blue cloud from here up of cigarette smoke in the kitchen of the holy church, the holy kitchen. I didn't go back in there for months. I'm telling you, it was just a very worldly church, lots of weird things. But you know what? I, God gave me a love for them, and, and God helped me to understand, you know what? Uh, a lot of what I've been told and taught is legalistic and is verbal tr- tradition and maybe someone's logic, but it's not thus saith the Lord. This is thus saith the Lord. I've read it from Genesis to Revelation at least once a year since 1974. And I have never, ever, ever seen where it says girls shall eat on one side, guys shall eat on the other side of the cafeteria. Never. That was just somebody's rule. And it's, not, it's okay if they want to have that rule, by the way. It's okay if they want to. But when the legalism gets into doctrinal things, then it becomes then it becomes fatal spiritually. Because what happens then is things like catechism, if you don't go through that, you can't go to heaven. Confession, if you don't go have confession, you can't go to heaven. Baptism, if you're not baptized, you can't go to heaven. Good works, if you don't have good works, you can't go to heaven. And that's what's happened with a lot of Catholic and Protestant and Baptist churches is they've gotten very legalistic. And they say, you need to believe in Christ plus this, plus that plus something else. You want to go to heaven? You want your sins forgiven? Do what the thief on the cross did. Put your faith in Jesus. Hey, we are saved by good works, 
But they're not our good works. They're his good works. He died on the cross for my sins. If I had been crucified on a cross, I couldn't even pay for my own sins, let alone yours. He died on the cross by keeping the entirety of the law, not, not the verbal uh, tradition, the oral tradition, but rather the word of Almighty God. He kept it to a T, not failing in one bit, not one t- time did he sin. And his death and his burial and his resurrection is all that we need to take us to heaven. So I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you trusting him plus nothing, minus nothing? Or are you trusting him plus? Because I'm going to tell you, you need to jettison the plus business. You need to get rid of the plus business. Trust him and him alone. And if you're not certain, take a moment right now and make sure. Our Father in heaven, may your words rain down upon us like rain. May they wash our eyes. May they cleanse our ears. May they cause us to see and cause us to hear. The salvation is by grace through faith. Nothing we can do to earn it. Only by what you've done can we have it available to us. So, Father, if someone this morning inside this building is not certain that they're trusting you and you alone. May today be the day when they forget the oral tradition, when they forget the bad doctrine that's been taught, when they forget the culture doctrine that is thrown around, and when they embrace only your word and what you teach. Father, we're all sinners. We're going to die one day and stand before you, every single one of us, unless you come back in our lifetime. I pray everyone here believes that Jesus is your son and he died on the cross for their sins. And I pray right now that we would pray and believe that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God's raised him from the dead that we can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Long hair, mini skirts, bare midriffs, polyester suits doesn't matter when we come to you on your grounds trusting you plus nothing, minus nothing you save us so Father if somebody needs to make that commitment today may they do so right now may they trust you Father, if someone else, if, if, if you're touching people's hearts, they want to know how to become a member or, how to, or they want to be baptized or whatever. Those are all good things to do, but after we're saved, not before. They don't, they don't earn us salvation. So, Father, bless this invitation. It's your invitation, and it's open to these folks. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? If you need to come and pray, I'm right here. Pat's right here. Ladies, come ahead. As we sing a couple of verses of invitation, come on right now. Don't put it off another day.
above every name. Don't you? Amen. The name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Master, the one who loved us more than anyone else ever did. I was asked, I'd like to ask Terry to dismiss us in a word of prayer. And God bless you. Have a great rest of the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. You've Amen. worshiped him. Keep on worshiping him as we, as we. Amen. Lord, thank you for this day in your house. Thank you. We can listen to your word, apply it to our lives. Thank you, Lord, that your name is like honey on our lips, your spirit water to our souls, your word a lamp to guide us as we leave this place and go out into our world. Lord, bless each person, each family represented here. We pray it in Christ's name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Amen.